Hey, hey, founders. Welcome to the No Nerds, No Problem podcast. If you've got an idea for a startup, but you can't build it yourself and you can't afford to hire nerds to do it for you, a great way to get your company off the ground is to go no-code. And one of the best no-code tools is no other than Bubble. On today's episode, I sit down with Matt Neary to talk about his experience using Bubble, previously as a non-technical founder himself, and now as a Bubble educator and consultant. In addition to discussing Bubble's pros and cons, its strengths and weaknesses, Matt was kind enough to sit down and film a hands-on tutorial where we build a real app from scratch in about 20 minutes. We've posted that as a bonus episode on YouTube, so start with this one, learn the basics, and then head on over there for the hands-on experience. Enjoy the show. Hey, hey, founders. Welcome to this episode of the No Nerds, No Problem podcast. Today, we have Matt Neary, and we're going to talk about Bubble. So a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a no-code consultant on, and we kind of talked more generally about no-code. We talked about the ecosystem, the different tools, what is and isn't no-code. Today, we're going to get very specific with Bubble. We're going to jump in and talk a little bit about kind of the, the world around Bubble. And then the second half of the episode is actually going to be really fun. It's going to be a little different than usual. We're actually going to watch Matt do an actual kind of tutorial on Bubble. So nothing too in-depth, but we are going to get to see the tool. So if you've really been interested in building something with Bubble, this is a great kind of first start. And then we'll talk about Matt's course at the end to tools and resources he has available so that you can get even better at this. So Matt, first of all, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show. Thanks, James. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about your your history with Bubble? Uh, we talked before the show a bit, and I thought your kind of the way you came into being a Bubble consultant was very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I started out like many people in the Bubble ecosystem as a quote unquote non technical founder, and that just basically meant like I didn't have technical skills, but I had an idea. I had a startup idea. Um, and didn't have, uh, you know, this is kind of mythical idea of finding a technical co-founder. I didn't have one of them. I had a, I had a friend who was just as passionate about the idea as me, but equally useless techni- technically <laughs> speaking. But, um, for whatever reason I had, you know, I stumbled across bubble in a blog post and, um, I think, yeah, it's very similar for a lot of people. It just kind of clicked as like, holy heck, you know, I can build this idea myself potentially and so i started diving in following some tutorials um as luck would have it the startup which it was a we were sort of trying to build a peer-to-peer education marketplace and a marketplace is like a super common use case for <laughs> bubble as well like a lot of founders want to build marketplaces for x you know airbnb <laughs> in in this niche um i'm sure you've seen plenty of those as, as well yourself in your yep, work yep um and yeah, the X for Y startup, right? They're always the uh, exactly. Airbnb for cats, Tinder for cake, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the startup, we, we were also, um, we were trying to do some, we had this, uh, this idea of like doing our startup on the blockchain. It was like, this was like 2017 <laughs> and we, had, we were on the blockchain hype and, um, and we managed to write a pretty good like pro- business proposal and ended up getting some funding from the European Commission, um, which basically just paid for a year of my and his time. But, you know, in, in, in my story uh, of my time to just 
build stuff with Bubble, like build a whole <laughs> bunch of products that we thought would would work. Um, and of course, a lot of them didn't. Um, but it was just a great like year of of paid training in Bubble, basically. Um, so at the end of what was about 12 months when the startup inevitably kind of um, faded away and we lost interest and and um, started running out of money as well. Um, <laughs> had the skill set, had the skill set of um, being able to bubble and just started doing a little bit of freelance work. Um, there's a, there's somebody who's really established in the community, Gabby from um, Coaching No Code Apps, and I did some work for her for a little while, and then um, and then started freelancing with AirDev, who's a kind of a big um, big development agency based on on bubble like bubble is their secret source in terms of being able to ship products really quickly and um for a fraction of the cost of going to a traditional software development agency that's really like the you know, the unique value prop for for them and for tons of bubble agencies um and yes that's that was basically my story and i didn't sort of only in the last i guess couple of years bubble started to become a little bit more popular that you mm-hmm. can kind of you're not afraid to say oh yeah i i build apps and um i do it with bubble like for right. a long time i was like trying to i was like keeping it a secret I'm like, yeah I'm not a real developer like i don't like those guys who write those that complicated syntax those guys are the real developers like i'm i'm a bubbler <laughs> you know what i mean like, <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy the 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 no code system as its or ecosystem, sorry, not system. The new, the no code ecosystem as it's grown really has, to your point, come into its own in terms of it's not, there's nothing shameful about building a no code MVP. And there's nothing shameful about hiring people in the no code ecosystem. Talk to me a little bit about now in your five years of doing this, uh, since you started learning Bubble in 2017, how that world has changed yeah well i would say uh covid did a did a ton for no code i mean i'm i don't actually spend that much time like orbiting around the no code (laughs) idea like i know there's other tools out there and i've sort of dabbled here and there um i sort of you know i have a working understanding of what's out there but like to me bubble has just been like it's been the the only drug that I need. It's just been like, it's, you know, it's been able to do everything that I want and um, I haven't had much much need to kind of look past it. But that being said, um, when COVID came, the working hypothesis that, that I and a lot of people in the space, I think, share is that there are a lot of entrepreneurial types stuck at home trying to figure out how do I be productive or what can I now do with this time that I've got freed up? And uh, a lot of them turned to tools like Bubble and we're interested in building, yeah, building startups, building products um, themselves in this time that they had while they were otherwise just, you know, sitting at home in their, in their, um, in their self-isolation. Uh, it was common I was working- in the dev world, I think too, where, uh, I mean, I, I think right. when it was all of my like technical friends too, and those first, especially those first few weeks where like everything was scary and we had no idea what was going on. Uh, everyone I know was like, oh, I'm going to build this thing that's going to, that's going to do, you know, now that everyone's at home, we're going to, we got to change the world. We're going to do this new thing. So I think it was a super common thing 
for, for builders that already knew and for people who are new to the, the space too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably, um, more of a, like, it's obviously a social phenomena, but like more specifically, it's, it's, you know, when you, when people were stuck at home like that and the social world was kind of forcefully shut off to them, it obviously forced this kind of more introspective period, mm -hmm. I think, in a lot of people's lives are like, well, how, what can I do with this period of time so that when this is all over, I'm actually like, I've leveled up to some degree. So like, I, you know, cohort based courses is another mm -hmm. like phenomena that really like took off in that period of time. And um, so I think, yeah, anything where people are trying to better themselves or develop new skills or launch new, new initiatives, um, COVID, you know, that was sort of a, a silver lining, I guess you could say of, um, of COVID. And so, yeah, Definitely. really over that period of time since then, um, it's definitely become a lot more validated as a um, as a means for like shipping, um, you know, high quality, legitimate software, legitimate, mm -hmm. legitimate products and services. Um, but that being said, I think it's still like incredibly early. Like it's sort of yeah, we've had this little this little kind of peak, but. Um, I still think that's like this incredible superpower at the moment by virtue of the fact that still have not many people know about it. So mm -hmm. you've got this incredible advantage if you are, um, you know, able to use no code tools. Especially in those early days uh, that when the product right. is small and your mo the most important thing for you as a business is getting something out fast. That's where this no code stuff really, really shines is even a simple like native app, whether that's a web native, mobile native, it's a few weeks of work to get, you know, if you're hiring someone and bringing it, you know, onboarding them, getting them comfortable with the idea, making sure that the thing that they actually built is what you wanted and all of that. It is a couple of weeks. Whereas uh, I had a, the other day I was, we were packing and I wanted to count the number of boxes I needed. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. I could finally like do a no code app to like go check this out. And so I, I, been, I think it took me 10 minutes, built an app where I had three buttons, small, medium, large. And I walked around the house and was like, all right, that's a small box. That's a large box. That's a small box. And, <laughs> and the app worked. It was like 10 minutes. Even, even as a professional app developer, that would have been a couple of hours at least uh, on, a, on an app. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, in your experience, the apps that you've helped people with, that you've seen through your course. Talk to me a little bit about where you see Bubble specifically really, really shining, the, the success cases that have really just Bubble was perfect for. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's essentially what the Bubble team themselves have I think said from day dot, I said or, or been saying from very early, which is that um, if you have like niche knowledge, if you're somebody in a particular subsect of an industry where you're seeing problems that could be solved with software, uh, especially you know super common is where like there is software, but it's just super antiquated or like very um, very hard to use, mm -hmm. then uh, that's where something like Bubble is like is perfect because like the people who are in those 
trenches, so to speak, who are seeing those problems firsthand can now build solutions, the best, you know, arguably the best solutions because they really understand those problems firsthand. Um, So they can actually build those, the tools themselves, as opposed to obviously in the, in the past, they would have to probably raise some funding. Like there'd just be this whole business hat that they would have to put on first where Mm -hmm. they can just go straight in with a product mindset. And that's probably the part that's still there, not so um, developed, in, I guess, in the no-code ecosystem is like the product mindset kind of needs to, it, 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 it develops naturally over time, I think. Mm-hmm. When you're developing with Bubble, you're just naturally brushing up against concepts in UI and UX. But um, there's no point one of those people in those niches who build a solution that's just as hard to use as what came before. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, right, right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so it's this, you, you just hear those kind of stories all the time um, about people who are, who are like, yeah, I, I run now this like SaaS business that um, I previously worked in this industry, digital photography or, right. Right. Um, you know, wedding planning or whatever, it, you know, whatever it is. Um, and they just um, now have, yeah, added this like very strong string to their bow. It's a really common mistake that we see a lot with the early stage founders, especially people who haven't done this before. Folks who are in the second or third startup have learned this usually painfully. But when you're attacking Salesforce, you're going to go after that CRM market or you're attacking MailChimp. You want to be the next mail provider. You don't beat those folks by doing everything they're doing and trying to do it better, you're going to lose. They have, Salesforce probably has, I mean, God, I don't even know, a thousand engineers at least. They might even have more. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Sales, big Salesforce is, is big and they have lots of money and they have lots of smart people. You're not going to be able to take down Goliath head on. Instead, if you go with the route, like, like so MailChimp, when ConvertKit came around, their whole thing was like, no, you're a content creator. And the entire thing that we're doing is a mailing system for content creators. It's not that different than MailChimp, but it's just different enough. And it was just specifically different enough for content creators that, I mean, God, ConvertKit's now 50 to 100 people, I think, and they're killing it. Uh, these are, this is just good advice generally, even if you don't go the no-code route, is pick that niche, that thing that you know a lot about, and build the very specific thing for it. That's how you get your foothold in the door. That's how you can expand. Um, is there uh, anyone that you've worked with that you would say did, did a really good job of that or any uh, examples you have in the marketplace? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, could, I guess I could talk generally. There's a, there's a, um, a client that I worked with while at AirDev that um, they had a, uh, they, they, their specialty was in sort of like workplace, um, um, workplace health, I guess you could say. Like, okay. In terms of having a, a, a place where employees and employers have a kind of a good relationship and can collaborate on different projects and sort of creating like a healthy ecosystem within large companies. And um, I think they ran some programs inside of big, big companies to try and like facilitate you know, cross-departmental collaboration and that kind of thing. Um, and they built an app with us um, that was essentially a marketplace for it, like an internal marketplace for big companies mm-hmm. where they could um people could kind of 
list projects where they needed skill sets maybe from other departments to and and find those people and this they got big like enterprise level clients themselves mm -hmm. that are using these tools that's so like a white labeled bubble app that is facilitating this platform um and it's I don't know what their numbers are now. I haven't checked in, in in probably about 18 months. But by the time I stopped working on that project, they, you know, they had maybe half a dozen or so large clients, um, names that I that I had heard of who mm -hmm. were who had, you know, hundreds of their users pretty active right. in these in these internal tools. Right. Um, and that's the other thing probably is is um yes, the the bubble for like early stage market validation obviously perfect like it doesn't right. you know you, you might even go so far as to say like it's it's a it's a necessity to be building <laughs> your right. first version with a with a no code tool um uh but in saying that like there has been this sort of gradual trend towards building more like enterprise scale mm -hmm. solutions and especially with not just with Bubble, but there's other tools out there now that especially handle the backend side of things quite well. And if you tie a couple of these tools together, you can have quite a robust solution um, that, um, yeah, can serve enterprise level um, needs. So it's always been a, kind of, a, I guess, an unknown or a, a, a question where people have been a bit tentative in, in, in digging into is like, how do, can Bubble really scale? Like, how right. does it handle like these really like big use cases and right. um they just keep pushing the, the the limits like i you can um there's definitely some if you get like up you're doing some really really high level data um you know you've got like millions of records and you want to do like very fast read write you know updating record kind of things then um bubble still possibly not the best solution but i know of people who are who are integrating with other tools like like uh, xano is another is another kind of no code tool that specializes on the back end that you can kind of tie into bubble mm -hmm. do all your front end stuff with bubble um, and then handle all your business logic stuff with xano but in saying that you can still go like super far with bubble like i know people <laughs> right, are like right. pushing bubble really really far um um so yeah, that's kind of another thing to layer in here is like yeah, you can start with this almost prototype no code app and depending on your success, yeah, it might make sense to migrate to a, a more traditional stack in future. But I would say like with the, the boundaries are constantly being pushed by these no code right. tools that that shouldn't be, uh, unless you are an enterprise company who's build who's creating like an internal bubble team to work on you know to to deploy some solution already to your enterprise clients from one day to the next if you're not that then like this should not be a question that you worry about i would say it's, <laughs> it's something that comes up with us too with uh when people get um especially if you're a non-technical founder and you read about node or you've heard about React or some you know, these technologies that kind of have spread past just the dev world that people are aware of. And, and people ask questions all the time. Well, oh, I, you know, I heard that AWS, like, you know, it can, get, it can get too expensive and maybe we should, I heard about this other technology we could be using over here. And it's like, 
look, if we get to the point where our AWS bill is too expensive because we've had to scale up too much, that is such a good problem to have. And you're going to be doing yeah. so well at that point that trust me, we can afford to solve that problem when we get there. Like that is not a problem you need to be thinking about on day one. If you're worried about bubble scaling, when you don't have an, when you're considering bubble for, for a build, you're so far away from that being a problem. Trust me, it's going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, <clears throat> the hardest thing is getting, is getting clients to, um, simplify their product in the beginning because they have they have I mean I'm sure you've seen this a million times yeah they have so <laughs> many ideas so many different features that they want to get in and even though like you could throw them all at bubble and it can handle them all like you shouldn't like you really shouldn't right. build all of those um, initially like it should be as as you were saying before like a very targeted uh, piece of software that um, that you're kind of deploying in a specific niche to you know, tackle certain assumptions. Um, there's a there's a, an app that I worked on. Um, it's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make here is it's not just uh, it's not just like startup apps that Bubble is used for as well. Like, there's also you know tons of use cases where companies will build internal software to you know to just mm -hmm. manage right. their own internal processes. Um, there's an app um, that I built for a client a few years ago, um, and they were uh, like a steel, um, a steel construction company. They were there's like in the steel construction industry, there's like this very complicated supply chain, and they were they were sort of the part that does the detailing that like mm -hmm. kind of um, creates the plans for how to turn like I guess like the raw steel into um, specifically cut um, okay. you know beams and that kind of thing before it sure. gets shipped off then to the next part player in the supply chain which is <laughs> you know the construction company who who lifts it up with cranes and all that kind of thing um and so there's like a lot of moving pieces like they had subcontractors they needed to keep track of like the b billings that they were taking in on one end and like they had standardized pricing for a lot of their services you know like detailing this kind of steel outputting this kind of product so like there's like a lot of moving parts that would just be mm -hmm. like i would assume i'm not a an expert with excel <laughs> but i would assume it would be a nightmare to do it in an excel spreadsheet yep. um especially like you might be able to do it if you're the business owner and you're just like really deep in there and you've just like had a few weekends um where you just like got lost in your in your spreadsheet <laughs> um but if you need i need to bring in like a admin an admin staff to take yep. over that for you i mean good luck on board oh, your lines to that so yeah. piece of software people know how to use like mm -hmm. you know like a dashboard interface people know how to use you could teach somebody how to use even like a pretty involved interface you know in a, in a, in a couple of hours and then it's just going to save you so much time over the long term so um that's the other thing I forgot to mention before. It's not just like early stage startups building products. It's just like companies who can build, um, yeah, who can instantiate a lot of their like internal processes right. in some piece of software that never sees the light of day outside of their company. And um, Coder is another great one that I'm, I've been using a lot for those, that kind of thing. Um, 
which is not really a, I guess you can call it a no code tool, but like these terms, I don't really know what they mean. <laughs> no um, code, low you, code. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really funny because I think there's a lot of non-technical founders that think they have no experience at all with tech and almost anybody in any industry has used a, a spreadsheet. And in a lot of industries, like the spreadsheet is the company, right? You know, like there's, there's usually a few like this, these three Excel documents run the entire company, right? Like people just put data into them and read things out of them. And that's it. That's basically a database. So if you think, oh man, I'm spending, we have a person who we're spending $60,000 a year for them to enter things into a spreadsheet, which is not uncommon in a lot of businesses, right? Like we have people doing these sorts of things, spending all this time. If you think, hey, if we had a form that instead of the one person who knows how to put the data into the spreadsheet, if we had something that anybody in the company could go put a first name, a last name, a date of birth, the unit or whatever the part piece is, and then click a button and have the spreadsheet get updated, we know that they can't go break the other parts of the spreadsheet because they can't even see it, right? We've, we've hidden that away. They only have access to this one tool. That's a huge place for no code to come in. It's not just, like you said, about product development. Uh, something that we really try to do a lot with our clients is uh, as a product grows, you start getting kind of like little mini products inside of it, right? So like we, it, marketplaces are a great example. Okay, you've got this mobile app where uh, people can search for fitness trainers was a client of ours last year. Cool. Well, you also need an interface for the fitness trainers. So now you've got two products. Oh, but we actually are going to do advertising too. So now we've got this little advertisement platform. So now we've got three products. Just because your mobile app is a really fancy native mobile app, because that's kind of the thing that you want to present everybody doesn't mean you have to do the same thing for your advertising platform. It might be easier for your advertising platform to be a bubble app, to be a spreadsheet with a form in front of it, right? That's where this comes into is as you, for founders, as your startup grows, you're going to have things that it might be easier for you as the founder to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've got these devs that are working on this other part over here, but I'm going to build this form so that I can track the clients that I'm having prospective conversations with. That, that entrepreneurship, as it's called sometimes, is really, really a great place for no code too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I actually see like the tools like Bubble and, and Coda and Zeno and there's other ones for mobile apps, Dalo and AppGyver or some others. Um, <laughs> all of these are, I think, just like proving a more general point, which is that um, like programming for the screen which is an interface that we've been using for what 40 odd years and we're probably still going to be using for a little while yet at the very least like that has that has matured like to the point where a lot of the things that could save you time that you could automate i you can, I guess you can instantiate them in, in, in principles, right? In logic and in the past, right? Anybody could do that, but to mm -hmm. actually transform that into code that runs on a machine, like the technology was hard to interface with directly. But because 
the fundamental relationship that we're having with software hasn't really changed that much over the past like 10, 15 years. Um, the technology underneath has almost sort of like come up now yeah. and matured to the point where like you can interface with it on a much more intuitive level. The, the programming principles aren't different. Like they're not changed. <laughs> right. You're right. just applying right. them in, 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 in your unique idiosyncratic way you know, yeah. to solve your specific problem. Um, so I could see, you know, like, pro I would like to see programming being taught in schools in a way that's almost tool agnostic, mm -hmm. but uses no-code tools to, to prove the point of what, yes, like, right. you can build, right? So that somebody who, the, the example you had of, like, a spreadsheet, is like, you know, how two dozen people or whatever editing it like i've seen that exact thing as well in a company and it was like it was serious stuff like it was like <laughs> it was like if somebody makes a mistake here you know like the it affects like um it was a tv it was a tv production company a tv broadcasting company yeah. and like so like you know there's a there's a time at which like that information is critical and if it's wrong then like somebody a whole suite of people are just gonna like not see the tennis all of a sudden or something like that and <laughs> right, it's right. all based it's all based on a google doc and there were so many times where people you, you go in and you'd be like huh what that wasn't i swear that wasn't that way before and then you go into the you literally go into the revision history <laughs> yeah, right. and you'd be like ah Doug, I see, I see. So you walk over and be like, did you change that for a reason, Doug? You're like, oh no, it was a mistake. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, all of us are just like dancing around this like very fragile source of truth. And if you came into that company with like st a strong programming foundation, right. you're an immediate asset, you know, you're, you can um, just like previously, I guess people who are very proficient in Excel, we're mm -hmm. like a big asset in a company. It's just the natural progression of that. It's just that now you can, you know, the suite of things that you can build, the suite of interfaces that you can build are, are, are much more vast. And so better suited to a lot of different, um, a lot of different use cases. The, the long tail, you know, the long tail right. of software development, right. just like, you know, yeah, on it's, YouTube, it's you've tools. got this long tail of content. Right. It's tool slotting. In between other tools right and that's i i never thought of this but i love the way you said it. it's a really beautiful kind of like uh so this i'm gonna get really nerdy for a second but when the programming language c which is very now a very old programming language right like c c plus plus c sharp javascript's based syntax based on c right so like all these things that you know are, are now even old c is very old when c came out they called it a high level language Right. Because it was so much less complex and you were able to do so much more so quickly than you would with assembly language or, or, or you know, Auto or some of the other ones that came before C. And that's hilarious because 95% of professional software engineers now can't program in C. It's way too complex. It's they a low-level language. <laughs> it's extremely low-level language. All right. We've just built up all these layers. And... It's totally true that you could say no code is just kind of another layer on top. The code's still there. 
there's still C code in your operating system, whether that's your phone right. or your browser. There's still lots to see. It's just not you having to code it, right? Like it's down there under under these layers and layers of other things. It's no different coding coding your app in a no-code language is still you still have to know kind of these logic. Uh, you have to know this like, okay, great. So on this screen, the user is able to see a list of all the products in the database but I never put a screen where they can add products to the database, right? Like right. The, you still have to think about those things. Um, I want to get to the demo, but I, I think this is actually a really fun kind of segue almost into the demo. On that note of no code, bubble, yes, there's no code. Yes, it's something anybody can learn. Well, there's still things that you need to kind of think about before you just jump in. You know, it's not like you're opening up MS Paint and you're just going to like paint up this app, right? You have to right. do some work ahead of time. You have to kind of actually think through uh, what you want to build. What is your process, either personally or with clients, for kind of that pre-work? Like, what do you recommend people do before they open Bubble, before they sit down and actually start trying to hack this thing together? Yeah, well... Um, the first one is, is, is writing down what the app needs to do, like no visuals, nothing, just like functionality wise, what should it do? Um, and that's, that's a part that I wish, um, it's sort of hard with clients cause they want to build stuff straight away. <laughs> um, but I wish, I, I, I guess maybe that's my problem and like how I would market myself as what value I'm bringing, but I would want to spend way more time on that stage because that's the stage where you figure out essentially what, um, what part of the market are you trying to um, engage with? Like, are you, are you trying to get a reaction from? Because your product is just a reflection of like those idealized customers that you think exist out there um and so if you yeah if you build a product that's just it's not a good reflection it's all muddied and blurred then you're not going to get a good reaction mm -hmm. um so yeah so so just figuring out what the app should do pretty high level you know like tactically speaking those could just be bullet points um and then once you've got that then then the next step would be like the user experience um which kind of goes to me goes hand in hand with the like the page architecture or the like the view architecture of mm -hmm. the of the application. So so like you know from the very beginning, like somebody loads up your app, like okay, what do they see? What can they do? And they take some obviously you know to some more screens. If it's a marketplace, they're obviously going to see some search results or they've got the opportunity to log in if they're a seller okay they've got an inventory page you know and just like very don't even have to be high fidelity with the designs or anything like that just kind of very roughly where do these blocks of content go and what's the relationship between them in terms of the interactions um and then from there it's it's actually about like you know you want to get from i think you want to get from there to building as soon as possible and so mm -hmm. like then there's this sort of like design phase somewhere in there which um i'm not a, necessarily an expert on and i'm sure a lot of people have different processes so i i sometimes would kind of mock up some ideas in figma just enough mm -hmm. to get going and bubble um or just go straight and bubble like grab some right. design inspiration and just kind of design as you go in bubble 
there's another piece there, of course, like when it comes to building the app about like how do you structure your your database mm-hmm. and your and your page architecture. And obviously, the longer that you've been bubbling, you have a better intuition for like the logical infrastructure, if you will, of the of the app. So you build things on a strong foundation from the beginning. Um, but if you're just starting out, and I wouldn't worry too much about that. Like once you start building professionally, like getting your database right from the beginning, very important. But um, when you're just learning, those kind of things can stifle you, I think. And it's better yeah. to just get things going, get things moving. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people will rebuild their app later on because it's so fast to do so once they know a little bit more. Um, yeah. One of the services we offer, and it's our whole website, newnerds.com is all about it, is the, what we call the product sprint. And with the product sprint, it's this kind of week-long process. It's a collaborative process, and it, it really is that what you described at that early stage. What, who are you building this for? Why are they going to give a shit? And what are we building when it's done? Uh, and we have a very you know, specific way we do that, and we have designers that help and stuff. And with when you're paying to build a native app, you really have to get that right before you start building because otherwise... In my experience, people end up paying before we started doing this back when I worked with other companies as a freelancer, I noticed that most of my clients or most of my peers clients would spend just as much money after the thing was done between then and launching it, right? Because they didn't get it right the first time they had, they spent all this money to build something. They didn't specify it right. Uh, they never really review designs. They realize that it doesn't do these other five things that are absolutely necessary for launch, et cetera, et cetera. And so they would spend, you know, let's say $40,000 and then they'd be like, okay, great. Well, now there's another 40 grand I have to spend before this thing's usable. The thing with no code that's so cool and so powerful, and it's a superpower that devs have that now everybody has, is you don't have to get it as right. You have to still have a clue about what you're doing and where you're going. But your point of get in there, you know, do, do the work, do that initial work, figure out the market, figure out the need, the problem you're solving, figure out that flow, get some design inspiration. But you don't need to spend like weeks and back and forth with designers getting everything perfect. You can jump in there, hack this something together. And you're, especially if this is your first time, you're going to learn so much. You're going to be like, oh my God. I'm building a marketplace, but again, I've only built one half of the marketplace. There's no way I'm building Airbnb and I have nothing here for hosts, right? I have no right. way for you to list a house. Um, that is the real incredible superpower of no code is that those loops can be so much tighter. You can, you don't have to get everything 100% right before you jump in. It's okay to spend a day building something that you're going to throw out. If you did that same thing with devs, you're going to spend a month building something that you're probably going to throw out unless you really get things right up ahead. So that is really, I think, one of the superpowers is this is something that devs used to have. It used to be the kind of the reason why technical founders had a leg up or the reason why technical founders back in the you know, early YC days were kind of like all of YC would fund. It's like you have to have a technical founder. That's not really the case anymore. And it's because you can get in there and do this same superpower on your own. Yeah, 100%. And, and the, the ability to do that upfront work and to like design in the broadest sense of the word, like design the product is, 
Like that's the real skill. That's the real um, kind of um, supply side bottleneck, I would say, like moving forward because like bubble, something like bubble at the moment represents like the the most accessible skill set to like bring the thing to life. Um, and then on top of that, the success of the product or whatever is going to be like your design acumen, if you, if you will, like figuring out the right thing to build and how mm-hmm. how the user should interact with it and that kind of thing. But like, it's not um, it's not unforeseeable to think that. And I mean, these were people already doing work prototyping these kind of tools that you just describe the app that you want and an AI will build it for you and you'll just <laughs> maybe make little tweaks on the, around the side, uh, you know, that might be hard to, to verbalize, let's say. Um, but they're the, like the ability to create the app. That's the part that can be automated. Right. Like that the creative work of figuring out what to build and how a user should interact with it necessarily involves thinking about human beings. And that's, you know, probably something that's harder for a machine to do. Um, and so, yeah, the, you're, I guess you as the curator of the software, that's the, like, the person that's going to be really valuable in the future. And I see it in, like, it's not just um, software, but, like, even, like, I don't know if you follow, like, the Unreal Engine mm-hmm. release in video games, but, like, there are tools that they're releasing that make creating video games way more accessible mm-hmm. um or like movies like i'm still like on the lookout for a tool that lets me like write a script give some um sort of give some styling um in ideas and then it creates an animation for me and then like i've got like you know i want to be like th- what's stopping me there is like animating like i'm not going to learn that skill set you know yeah, what i mean right. like that's going to take me so long but like i still yeah. have the ideas like if you want right. to make music like i can whistle a ch- can i whistle a tune into a piece of ai and it creates this like like three piece uh, band uh, you know playing it back to it's, me like it's coming <laughs> it's definitely coming i mean even even now i'm a musician and um, you know, I used to, when I was younger, I would, I would record all the different parts and the drums would take forever. Like, cause I would use electronic drums, but I would record them and I would edit them. And now with GarageBand, I, I haven't recorded my own drum part in forever. Cause I just use the drum, like it, it, it wraps to my baseline. So it's like exactly oh. what I wanted, but it's all AI. I don't do, like, I haven't touched the drums in years. Cause it's like, yeah, just, you play a guitar thing and then you click the, I want my drums to follow the guitar thing. And then you have this like perfect drum beat that like does the fills on exactly the notes you played right like and so it's just uh that's coming to lots of places but that doesn't change the fact that like i'm able to do use that as as a musician i'm able to use that to make good music faster it doesn't change the fact that someone who doesn't know how to like hum a good tune who can't come up with a good tune they still can't do anything like that right so that's that is the skill set get get this bubble thing under your belt, spend a couple days. It's not, it's not going to take you very long to do something with it and then go do the other skill set. build stupid apps that like, again, build that like cardboard box app that I built like that, that I got to learn a new tool. I can use Autolo or something like that. Adalo, um, yeah, yeah. 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 And, 
But the other thing I think something that we haven't talked about that, that maybe you can comment on too is, so you've been doing this for five years and when you started off with the first startup, you weren't technical at all. How much more technical do you feel now? And, and specifically, if you and I, like, let's say you had another idea for an app, but you needed to go to an engineer. Maybe you had some sort of like AR, uh, machine learning, something that you like can't just do in bubble. And you were going to go sit down with an engineer. How much more comfortable would you feel in that conversation today, having five years of experience building these things in bubble than you would have in 2017? Yeah, I, I mean, like 200 percent, 300 percent more comfortable. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, um, completely it would be obvious because and um you know maybe someone can correct me on this but my my take on on um programming and coding is that um ultimately like we're all we're all thinking in terms of these abstract logical abstractions for what we want to do it's just that the the interfaces for the different tools, whether it's like a library for creating AR apps or it's bubble, like the tools have different syntactical requirements. They, mm -hmm. they have different, they expose different levers to you that you have to pull in certain ways. And knowing how to operate that machine, that tool just takes time. It just takes mm -hmm. repetitions. But in terms of the principles, you know, like you still understand like, okay, there's got to be like, there's got to be some input. There's got to be some output. Like this function takes this data type as an input. Where is that data type coming from? So you're just like connecting the dots um, ultimately. And this person understands this spectrum of dots and you might mm -hmm. understand this spectrum of dots. Um, so that's the part that I find has been super valuable with bubble is like, I often describe it as a gateway drug to, to code <laughs> yeah. um, because it is like, like I still like, I'm not a coder, but like I can, I can read, you know, I can read JavaScript. Like right. I can manipulate CSS. <laughs> like, right. like I can find my way around. And then you start to understand that like, okay, like people who really know those tools, who really know those languages, like, they're absolute pros, they're absolute wizards. They could just do stuff kind of in their sleep because um, they've had so many repetitions. But for the rest of us, we can actually still get by quite a long way if we just understand like the basic syntax and we already have an under we already have an intuition for what we're doing as programmers, then it's just a matter of like Googling the right thing and finding out like in the dictionary, oh, okay, I have to use, you know, I have to use, I have to put an extra exclamation mark before the <laughs> right. important or something, you know, like. Which yeah. is 90% of what software engineers spend their time doing is Googling the thing that's broken. Right. And and right. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that quick, the quicker that somebody can build the intuition for programming, which is the, that's the really like valuable thing here and internalize exactly what you just said that like, most of what you're really doing out in the wild is like Googling how to do stuff, which is no different than when you buy a new oven and you're looking through the manual of how to operate it. Like you, that, it's just specific, boring information, essentially. <laughs> that you just right, right, need right. to extract. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Everyone's been to a friend's house and tried to work their microwave. 
right? Like that, <laughs> yeah. that skill set, like, okay, so you can't work the Toshiba microwave at your friends, but you have your, I'm running out of microwave brands. It's not my industry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but th- that specific skill set is the important part, right? Like that's something that you can look up. You can look up the like, okay, why is the, why is the microwave's alarm go off at two in the morning? Like what buttons do I have to push so it stops doing that? 100%. You Google that. It's not, it's not like you need to be an expert in Toshiba microwaves to, to cook your food, right? Um, and it's the you same just need to know that a microwave people. cooks food. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you have to know that maybe you shouldn't put like a raw steak in the microwave for 10 minutes. Right? Like, but that's not the microwave. That is the cooking skill set. That's the business skill set, right? You need to right. know what your industry needs. You need to know what sorts of things these people are going to be able to do. We have a really great uh, client right now, Loper, who's um, they work their, their marketplace kind of. They connect uh, students to universities and the students are 18 year olds right now. So they are, they're, they're so much more tech literate than I am as a professional, right? Like, cause it's just like, this is their lives, right? They're on TikTok four hours a day. Like they want new modern apps, right? That's what they're expecting. Our other customer is the university marketing departments. And these are typically people, they're like thirties is youngest. We're looking at, we have a lot of 40s and 50 year old clients. They work in university marketing. It's not the most dynamic industry in the world. The, <laughs> the problems we've had sometimes with those folks, you would, you're, it's the opposite, right? It's like these people don't, they don't know what TikTok is. They don't want their app to be fancy and modern and shiny. Like they want you, they want to push a button and know exactly what that button's going to do. So that's the skill set. The the how do I how do I what buttons do I push on the Toshiba? That's not the important part. You can figure that out. You can Google that in the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, having the having the intuition for your market, um, and being able to translate that into into like a product. Um, like there's the, the another analogy is um, not to labor this point, but like I was talking to someone the other day who was they were they were taking my course and they were saying how like, oh, once I started learning on Bubble, like you never look at apps or websites the same way. And I was like, oh, that, I've heard that exact and felt that exact same phenomena when I used to work in film production and, mm-hmm. and, and TV production where you never watch TV or movies the same way because you're like, you kind of, part, one part of your brain is thinking about how they've constructed the scene and how they've lived yes. and what lens yes. they might be using. <laughs> and um, and so just just getting that, I guess that kind of intuition for the the rules of the game, I guess you mm-hmm. could say, um, that's kind of the that's the important thing to learn to construct the the product or the or the movie or or, or, or whatever it is. But um, yeah, how you the, the the technically how you do it, um, that's the part that you're just ho- we're just hoping you know that technology just makes it more easy easier and easier for us to to interface with those tools. Learning that language and getting to pierce behind the veil, so to speak, right? Like getting that basic, uh, I'm a fiction nerd. So I like, I, I love like fiction writing and I love like, you know, write, reading about writing and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, in, like you said, like you never read, once you start getting into like, how do you write a story? It's like, I watch these kids movies with my kids and it's like, oh, that's so like the Paw Patrol movie. They introduced the movie using the existing characters and the switch to the new character. And it's like, oh, that's like a technique that I've read about. Right. You know, it's like, you never see these things right. the same way again. If you can 
if you are interested in this space, in this tech entrepreneurship space, learning, just getting your feet wet with Bubble or any other no-code tool, building your stupid little app that solves your stupid little pain point just so you can practice, then going back to your just day-to-day -day life and you go, oh, oh, this is a feed. I'm seeing a feed here, right? Like, oh, like that I logged in with my phone number. I like, I did that same thing. I could do that in my app, right? You start seeing this world of software that you deal with every day so differently. And that is gonna affect your ability to also then build software in the future. So if you can get that base language so that you can start seeing and describing the things that you're seeing, that is gonna help you when it comes time to build. Building is going to help you see these things more. It is just kind of you've you've yeah. broken the cycle of just consuming all the time, and you are now going to be out in the world as a critic as well. It's extremely beneficial to business building. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Matt, thank you so much for everything today. It's been super educational for me. Uh, for all of the listeners, we are going to pause the episode here. Uh, we are going to go to video. So if you want to see the demo uh, and you're not on YouTube or Spotify, if you're listening to this on a, an audio podcast, check in the liner notes. We'll have a link to the video. Um, before we go, I want to say go check out Matt's page and Matt's course at thinkitbuildit.co.co slash course is the course. You can also just find out more about Matt at just the, the homepage. You can find Matt on YouTube if you search for his channel, Matt Neary. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter if you want to reach out to him directly, mnearyzero. Uh, we'll have all of this in the liner notes. If you're on your podcast app or whatever, just scroll down. You'll be able to find it all there. Um, Matt, anything you want to add before we go? Uh, no, no. I just, you know, as much as people can, like, get their feet. I know people are pressed for time on all fronts <laughs> all the time, but um, I feel like this is one area that um, is just, so high leverage that if you can carve out some time to get a feel for it, then um, it's going to pay infinite dividends over the, the rest of your career slash life. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Man. Otherwise, well, it's, just, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much again for all your time. Again, everybody go to thinkitbuildit.co slash course. Check out Matt's stuff. And if you're on video, uh, we'll probably cut it into it right now. Uh, if not, Go to YouTube or Spotify. We'll have a bonus episode that is just the demo. Matt's going to give us an intro to Bubble right now. Uh, go check it out. Thanks, Matt, again for coming on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, James. Had a lot of fun.